So the uh, one of the last times we talked, we were mentioning that uh, the original series um, Eb's theme song has lyrics in it. I believe it was in the, the first Enterprise episode we, we did talk the about. For, it, so. uh, the original series, but yeah. No, but I think I think the oh, first Enterprise we episode is when we talked about it. Probably. Because they have lyrics in that song. So um, Gene Roddenberry wrote these lyrics kind of in a unethical-ish attempt to get uh, some partial songwriting royalties off of this song from the original composer. Uh, his name is um, Alexander Courage. Um, which is a pretty cool uh, name. And anyway, though, he wrote this, and then Gene Roddenberry basically wrote some lyrics that are bad and he never intended to run in the show because he wanted to get some money off of it. And um, so I think when we were talking about this before, we had said we should try to... um, We should sing them or look them up on the show. Uh, Oh, boy. So I'm going to try to sing this now. And this is uh, take (laughs) two of this, so um, hopefully I'll do better this time. I'm just going to try to push through it, though. So right. uh, I might not sound very good, and I might not do it exactly right because this is this is the this is the, the the words to the the extended version of the theme that's on the closing credits. Yeah. So there's this segment in the middle that you don't hear in your normal right. beginning of a Star Trek episode. All right. So beyond the rim of the starlight. My love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches. Love, strange love a star woman teaches. <laughs> I know his journey ends never. His Star Trek will go on forever. <laughs> But tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. Bum, 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 bum. Hi, and welcome to uh, Out of Contracts, a show where two people who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And that was as glorious as I think we could have hoped. <laughs> His Star Trek will go on forever. Uh, indeed. But that that, that, that could be describing uh, this, this podcast. Our Star Trek will go on forever. Yeah, what did um, we say? Like 42 years, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Um, so in this show, we watch, we pick a random episode of Star Trek and we watch it. Uh, this week, we are doing the Star Trek, the original series, season two, episode 25, The Omega Glory. Um, and I've listened to our show a bit lately, and I know we have said several times lately that this is maybe the craziest thing that's happened on an episode of Star Trek that we've watched. This... <laughs> Might be the craziest episode of Star Trek that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's 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 bonkers. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's bonkers. an episode so rich with incident <laughs> that by the end of the episode, you have forgotten that the cold open is them coming across a um, a starship in which everyone on board has been turned into salt. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like the least interesting thing that happens. So, so I will say, because this one, I think this one I watched, I, I'll sort of go back and forth with these episodes on whether I watch them on Hulu or Netflix. Um, mm. This one I was 
watching on Netflix? Because Netflix, when you, I think I forget if it's when you pause or like when you first pull up an episode, it'll give its own little like one line description of it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think you had texted me when you were you had watched this one before I did, and you had texted me something about how once you remembered which episode of Star Trek this was, you were really, got really excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I also, like, even just seeing that little, like, one-liner immediately had a, like, oh my goodness, this episode moment. Okay. That was just great. I was going to ask, because you, you have not seen every episode of the original series, you don't think, but you have seen this one? This one I had seen, yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I think this was also yeah. the one that made me ask you an interesting question, which is how many of the episodes that we've seen because we, we've definitely with the original series and in, in, uh, Next Generation especially and and I mean for me with Voyager you know we've definitely seen episodes that we had seen before in the past um, but how many have there been where you've sort of recognized or like known which episode it's going to be before we watch it okay so I did not recognize this episode before we watched it now I think when I was looking back I think the only the only three that I have recognized which episode it was before I watched it based on the name were uh, the first three uh, TNG episodes we did. So the Big Goodbye, which is the one where they're okay. it's a detective episode on the holodeck, and then the two uh, Best of Both Worlds episodes because those are two of like the most famous episodes of the show. And I don't think I, I mean I've not seen any of um, Voyager or. DS9 beyond what we have talked about and or Enterprise and uh, the two uh, original series episodes we've done I did not recognize from the name just from the name okay yeah, yeah I was wondering with this one if you remembered which one just based on the name the Omega Glory so I I realized after I finished watching it I feel kind of stupid why it's called that because I never I didn't I just never like okay, realized I, that before you have to explain to me again because I also don't. Like even after watching it now, don't get where that name comes from or what it has to do with. So it. it's called the Omega Glory because a nickname for the American flag is Old Glory, and so this is the last Old Glory, I think, the last uh, American flag, I think. So it's the, okay, Omega, the Glory. Omega Glory. I'm pretty sure that's. I think the name of the planet is also. Is the name of the planet also Omega something? Is it? Um, uh, it's a, it's called I, Omega I think, Four. Yeah, because I remember hearing that and was like, oh, so it's Omega, but I didn't get. Okay. Oh, so yeah, so maybe it's just the glory like, maybe part, it's not but the that makes one, sense with it because they do have the the flag. Yeah, so uh, Glory definitely is referring to Old Glory. So maybe oh, okay. maybe Omega is like just referring Omega. to the planets. It's the or planets, it be, Old Glory, it be but. Both. But yeah, it's it's uh that's okay. that's why it's called that is because it's because of Old Glory, and I was like, oh, that's makes this episode even more amazing. Even more. <laughs> Yes, so I guess we may we're skip we may be skipping way ahead, but to the end, that's like yeah, the last shot of the of last, the episode, I think. But it probably is. Um, so yeah, so this is an episode written by Gene Roddenberry, um, directed by Vincent McEvity or McEvity or something like that. Yeah, there's the easier. There's a lot of ease in that name. He directed uh, six episodes of the original series. Okay. By the way, and so the the memory alpha brief synopsis of this episode 
is not what this episode is about. Yeah, why, why you the, the Enterprise discovers the derelict starship Exeter drifting in space, its crew killed by an unknown plague, and her captain missing. That is what arguably maybe the first five minutes of the episode is about, if that. Yeah, give give or take, maybe. I mean, like, n- counting the theme song? <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, so they do, they do encounter this... Uh, another Federation starship that's in orbit around this planet. Um, and they they beam over to it to find what's going on. And all they see is a bunch of Starfleet uniforms and little piles of salt inside them. Yeah, or some kind of crystal. But yeah, yeah I, I definitely... I think probably based on my biblical upbringing, I, I just thought about Lot's wife. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but... Which, yeah, and, right. and so this... This part I did some independent research on because because there's a point where Bones goes and starts analyzing these crystals, and Bones is the ship's doctor for those who are yes, not familiar yes, with the uh, original series. Yeah, uh, played by DeForest Kelly. Yes. Um, man, I've been. It's it's a real shame that we don't get to do more original series. Uh. Um, but. But yeah, so he starts analyzing one of these, some of these crystals, and he's going through like what elements they make up, and determines that this is what is left of a human when you've removed all of the water. Yes. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, the fact that you can kind of dehydrate a human down to just crystals um, is is kind of sort of a funny '60s sci-fi type of thing. But yeah, so also when he starts describing them, the first the first thought I had was that's way too much potassium, um, which is probably kind of nerdy of me. But but it is because he he says it's like thirty five percent potassium, which so got me way down a whole rabbit hole, um, and and I ended up actually going to look up the elemental composition of the human body in on I'm pretty sure I ended up on Wikipedia but 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 it was my thought because in at least in blood the the concentration of potassium is about four millimoles per liter in in like on average on normal whereas stuff like what's a, sodium what's a millimole? so it's, it's it's like a a measure of it's a measure of like amount but um but how but many yeah. of them are in a liter or so it's like a it's like a solution. So, like if you dissolved like salt in water, it'd be like how much how much salt was in it. So you like you could put a bunch of salt in it, or and so oh, it's, sure. it's a concentration because okay. it's all like dissolved in fluid. So that the theory is like if you took out all the fluid, but okay. kind of by comparison, so like sodium and chloride, like the things that make up just like regular salt, their concentrations are both like a, between a hundred and a hundred and thirty or forty, and mm-hmm. potassium it's like four. Um, and I was like, well, to be fair, the fluid that's inside the cells has is kind of the opposite, where it has more potassium and less of the other ions. But that's even just the fluid in the body, because you have all the actual like molecules that make up the, the cells in that, which those are all organic. So they're almost all carbon and then like hydrogen and oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then like bone is all calcium. Like there's just very little potassium. And there's no way it's 35 percent. And then like started thinking about it. It's like I'm not way off, am I? And so I did look this up. And so even if you remove 
take out all of the hydrogen and oxygen, the human body is still 72% carbon, um, and then it's 12% nitrogen, 6% calcium, 4% phosphorus. Potassium's all the way down at 1.5%. So, Do you know what that would look like? If you, if you just had a pile of that stuff? Of that stuff? I, I mean, it would depend on how you did it, I guess. It could still be... I don't know, carbon wouldn't really be, like, crystallized. I mean, the, you know, the thing is, if you just took out the water, like, all the molecules would still be in their molecular form. So it would mostly sure, just sure. look like a bunch of... It would probably look more just, like, dirt than anything. Sure. In theory. Hmm. But, That's less cool looking yeah, than what the, they do. Yeah, the, the crystals were, were very cool. You, but yeah, our dads are going to love this part potassium. of the episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, if, if 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 any of our listeners happen to be like former directors of a laboratory or anything like that, they can feel free to uh, to weigh in on on our science. Yep, contracts on Twitter or out of contracts. That's c o n t r e k s uh, at gmail dot com. That's right. If you want to weigh in, yeah. um, or you may happen to have our phone numbers as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just just call us, Dad. <laughs> um, that's all I've ever wanted. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, this is a good starting. Uh, the The potential science inaccuracies aside, this is a, a striking group of images to start the episode on. I think it's intriguing, even though like it's kind of solved more or less immediately and not really addressed. You know, it's, it's cool looking. Well, I will say they do the people who are on the Enterprise who go over realize that the ship has, that everyone's on the ship is crystallized way after the audience does. Yeah. They kind of walk past a lot of these like little piles of crystals and uniforms. And they're just like, where in the world could all the people be? Right. Why are they all naked? And then, and they're like, Oh wait, they're in, they're in the inside. I'm like, the audience is like, yeah, yeah, we know. They're still here, Jim. Yeah. So uh, they figure out that they've been crystallized. They find like a distress message that was left basically saying we left the planet, right? And there's some kind of like disease that is making us all uh, die. And our captain was left behind, was, you know, is still down on the, on the ship. So you need to get out of here now. And so um, you have to get down to the planet if you uh, want to live. And so. Yeah, because now they're, as soon as they stepped on the ship, they've all become infected with whatever the rest of the crew had. And they all got it from being on the planet. Yes. And so uh, it's, I believe it's Kirk and Bones and Spock and then a red shirt uh, who are on the ship. <laughs> yeah, this may be our first real, like, legit red shirt, I think. Yeah. Uh, Corporal, no, Lieutenant Galloway. I, I wrote down as soon as they call his name, like, this does not bode well for Lieutenant Galloway. Yeah. Because it's the the classic for and for those of you who don't know what a red shirt is, this is exactly what a red shirt is. Where at the start of the episode, Kirk is like, "All right, we need a party of people to all go to this planet or to this other ship together, and it'll be it'll be Me? Captain Kirk, yeah, yeah like uh, Mister Spock, uh, Doctor McCoy, the three stars of the of the TV show, and then and then he says like the name of some and Rick. Like, Lieutenant yeah. Galloway." And yeah. it's like some, it's just some guy wearing a red shirt that then almost immediately dies when they get wherever it is to indicate how high the stakes are. Yep. Uh, 
And uh, I would say he, he had a particularly pointless death in this episode, but we'll get to that. Uh, so they go down to the they, they go down to the planet, and they pretty quickly so they they kind of come down and they see that there's some kind of conflict going on on the planet and between two groups of people that are called uh, uh, comms, which appear to be some sort of it says on um, Memory Alpha an Iron Age people basically, but like they're kind of semi civilized and dressed what like maybe like kind of russian maybe kind of like mongolian or chinese um they appear to be mostly of east asian looking don't they yes yeah i think they're yes and then they're they're kind of under siege by these more uh primitive people called the yangs which you when you eventually see yangs they're just kind of they're white people yes but they're very sort of treated as more like savage like they're dressed in furs and they're they have kind of a tribal culture and sort of talk in broken english and that kind of thing the comms are not super a a lot more civilized because like one of the very first things that happens is that you you know the one of the comms sees that uh the people from the enterprise have have phasers and he says they have fireboxes, which did make me write down, oh, this will be sensitive. Like, <laughs> um, But ultimately, it's more of like, it, it definitely seems like Roddenberry is trying to like do a subversion of like, what if uh, what if like the civilized people were like not white people and the white people were the savage people? Which is like one of those things that you could kind of do in the 60s where it was simultaneously enlightened and racist at the same time. Where it's like, I kind of get you were going for, but like also like... The only thing you're subverting by saying that wouldn't that be weird if white people weren't the most of us people is your own racist expectations about <laughs> what kind of people people are, you know? So, I mean, that that is, I would say that's probably my biggest criticism of the episode. And I don't think that it's really meant to be. Yeah. It's not meant with malevolence, I don't think, but it also, it's still not like great that, that they did that. Yeah. Uh, it is something that is just kind of like coming from a place of sort of assumptions and, and kind of prejudices that were just very much, I think, in the culture. Yep. Uh, but um, the Enterprise who quickly finds that the, the, the comms have been working with um, the captain of this of the uh, Exeter, which is who's the only surviving member of the Exeter. His name is Captain Ron Tracy, which is, I don't know why, but just such a funny name to me. It's just such like a your next door neighbor's dad like 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 and they just keep on calling him ron the whole time which uh-huh. is just like i just don't think that's just it's not like a very like captain of, of starfleet name to have ron tracy but um so they, they they're talking to ron and they kind of are immediately a little bit suspicious of ron even though the kirk was friends with him from before it seems like kirk kind of before star trek knew everyone who has ever been a part of starfleet but um, given, given our our experience so far yeah yeah, um, but he has known him, but they're all kind of immediately suspicious of him because he has violated the Prime Directive by uh, showing his phaser technology to the comms. Now, have we talked about the Prime Directive yet on the show? I, I don't think we've come across the Prime Directive yet. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. And, and so the Prime Directive, if just basically a very basic explanation of it is... That it's something that Starfleet has where 
you are not supposed to influence the trajectory of developing civilizations, basically like pre-space age civilizations. Yes, you're not, so you're not supposed to go to another planet and reveal to them things that they wouldn't have come to on their own. So you can't you can't go to another planet and like give them all this fancy space age technology that you have if they're still haven't invented electricity yet. Or like interfere in a war between a planet or something like that. Yeah, because it's basically thought to be unethical and you're kind of I think it's it's interesting because I think that by the, by the time the show was out, I still th- I think kind of like the idea of uh, I'm hoping I'm using the right term there, but like cultural genocide. I think that was not really a a thing um, as much uh, back then as it was. Basically, it's 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 the idea that um, the cultural genocide is kind of and and it's usually used like in a more intentional way than than like just going in and like using your phasers or whatever but like it's basically i'm I'm on wikipedia right now so full disclosure depriving of their integrity as distinct peoples or of their cultural values or ethnic identities i think that was kind of i guess it looks like according to wikipedia that that was a thing that was a term as early as 1944 and was i think somewhat used for uh some of like the stuff that the nazis did um in world war ii so maybe it was a thing by then i guess but I, it's. I feel like that's something that's more considered now. Even you know, it's a, it's a very kind of like post-imperialism idea, right? And and that that kind of in the in sort of the smaller scale of of on Earth right now that we kind of the equivalent of is, in my understanding, kind of considered of. You have places that instead of having their own like cultural development in that, they just because you've had a bunch of people from Western cultures come there and bring all of their own stuff, then they just end up emulating that instead of coming up with, you know, where you don't know if you had left them alone, what sort of uh, development they would have come up with. And also, like, a lot of times it ends up with them kind of losing access to their own history, too, as a people, yeah. and, like, their unique cultural traditions and stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, so it is an interesting concept, I think, for sure, the Prime Director. Yeah. I find in Star Trek it's always one of those things that's kind of a little bit hazy in the execution. That there are certain things that they can definitely, you know, where you can say like, oh no, he's violating the Prime Directive, we can't do that. And then they do things that you would think would still fall under that category that's apparently fine yeah. sometimes. Because their big, their big problem with, um, with Ron in this episode is that he's, again, like he's brought phaser technology which is so far beyond what these people would have um Mm. and then is using it to like he picked essentially picked a side in this conflict that's going on in this planet and so he's gonna like single-handedly as someone from earth like come to this planet and influence the trajectory that the rest of their history is going to take that never would have happened if if he hadn't come uh but then are you going to say at the end of the episode, Kirk basically just tells them a bunch of stuff? Yeah, and then Kirk tells them, like <laughs> teaches them how to be better Americans, basically. Spoilers, right? But but even there's a there's a point where like Kirk's trying to convince them, like, no, I'm I'm from you know I'm from space. Like my people are from space, and we travel through the stars and go to different planets. And I feel like that's something that there's definitely other episodes 
um, where you're not supposed to even do that. Like you're not supposed to reveal that there is such a thing as like another planet and warp drive in that, that, you know, from episode to episode, it seems like it's kind of what's considered a violation of the prime directive and what isn't is carried out differently. Yeah. I, I feel like Kirk also violates the prime directive all the time. Like it, uh, like I remember I watched the original series well before I watched any other Star Trek. And I remember like a few years after I watched the original series, I was mentioned, I was talking to someone about how about the prime directive and, I kind of said that I had heard of it, but I thought that, that wasn't something that existed until later on in the show. And I was wrong. It does exist on the original series, but I think Kirk flaunts it so regularly that I kind of forgot that it was a thing <laughs> right. in the sense of, because it's just like, he doesn't really seem like he listens to it, which is something that I would say. Yeah. Cause he does get like, get involved with that. It's kind of a, like what happens in most Star Trek episodes, right? Which is Kirk comes to this planet and, like they have this Rex problem and shop, he fixes yeah. it for them. Yeah, um, I I will say like that's maybe maybe kind of one of the the few like positive things I would say about like Star Trek Into Darkness is that JJ does seem to understand with that opening scene where he where all these those aliens like worship the Enterprise like that that Kirk just kind of does whatever he wants. That's, that's true. <laughs> but uh, so they're afraid he's he's breaking the Prime Directive, um, and very quickly you kind of find out that that Captain Ron is a bad dude because he basically with no provocation kills the red shirt. Like at some point they're kind of talking about like, well, I think he's a bad guy. And then he comes in and shoots the red shirt. Yeah. Also, I made no a note. Reason. Does this guy, does he just wait outside doors holding his phaser? Cause yeah, there's, comes, there's yeah. multiple scenes where they're like about to escape or they just like turn and open a door and he's standing right there already with his phaser, like already drawn and pointing straight at Kirk. It happens yeah. more than once. Like, I feel like he was just waiting there. Yeah, he, so he kills the red shirt, kind of, I guess, to show them he's yes. like serious. And, and Although, he doesn't... <laughs> sorry to keep interrupting you, but because, I, again, I I looked up uh, Lieutenant Galloway to give credit to David L. Ross, who, who portrays him, uh-huh. and apparently uh, he does return in two later episodes. Um, oh. So he may just, he may just be... He, he may, instead of a phaser, just have like a, a portable beaming device or something that just, <laughs> just sends him back, him back to the, to the ship. ship. Uh, well, I mean, they this this show famously like produced and released episodes yes. like out of order and stuff too. Yeah. So maybe it's maybe that's the issue. But yeah, no, he he does. He just yeah, with it is with pretty minimal provocation, just kind of vaporizes him. And he does not really explain why he why he he killed that guy and not the rest of them. You know, he kind of later on he kind of says, "Oh, I want you guys in on my scheme," but I don't know why Lieutenant Galloway couldn't have had a piece of that action. But um, uh, <laughs> shout out. Um, so, oh man, I want the, I want to go to that episode so bad. I hope but, we do. Um, uh, anyway, um, so he kind of takes some hostage and and he radios up to the Enterprise and says. I think doesn't he say like you guys can go away if you want because like they're they're stuck down here and, and also like they're in a coma because that's why they can't talk to you right now. Yeah, and so he tries to get the Enterprise to leave because so it should be noted at this point that what he believes and what he convinces the the Enterprise crew of is that there's there's a disease in in the air on this planet that as soon as you come to this planet you get infected with that mm-hmm. will turn you into salt crystals and kill you. 
but it only kills you if you leave the planet. So as long as this is proven to be wrong later, but what what his theory is is that there's something else on this planet in like the water or the air or something that gives you an immunity to this disease. It kind of makes your body healthier and able to be immune to this disease. And and also it has the side benefit, which is what he's interested in exploiting, of basically making you live a long, long time. Because he, he says like they're you know, all the comms they are like four hundred years old, this guy's dad is a thousand years old or something yes. like that. And a little note with that scene. So because the way he does it, he's talking to James, uh, to Captain Kirk, and trying to convince him to help him exploit this thing. And he, he calls in one of the comms and asks him, you know, how old are you? And I forget how he goes about it, but the essentially the guy answers him with something like, you know, I've seen uh, a hundred, I've seen a hundred seasons or something like right, that. Right, yeah. And then, and then... It goes back to him, and he's like, you know, one of their seasons is the same as as four Earth years. That means he's 400 years old. And I love that Kirk's, like, reaction shot where he's like, what, you know, does this kind of shocked look and the music swells is only after he's done the math for him. Like, he explains kind of the conversion factor. He's like, you know, that's, you know, one of their seasons is four of our years. And then there's... and then, and then he like says that means he's four hundred years old, and like that's when he's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Kirk, Kirk can't do multiplication. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. Um, yeah. So basically, he wants Ron wants. Um, I believe I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but because this is the point where the episode where just kind of everything starts happening, just kind of all the time. Yeah. But he wants. He wants Bones to like come up with like a an antidote. Well, he he wants Bones to figure out like what it is in in this planet that is making the the comms live so long and making them immune to the disease. But yeah, but yeah, then he also yeah he also wants to figure out a way to like make him immune to the disease so he can get off the planet because ultimately right. he wants him and Kirk for reasons, I guess mostly because Kirk still has contacts in the Federation, I guess he wants Kirk to help him sell this antidote for like a ton of money. Yeah. And then I don't really know why he wants Spock other than just to blackmail Kirk and bones into doing what he wants. Um, I don't know why he didn't think that Lieutenant Galloway would be a sufficient um, reason, but um, Kirk basically is like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so he throws Kirk and Spock in jail. Um, I, I would say like basically almost every scene with Kirk in it, Kirk tries to escape, which I love. I think that's like really, really like kind of a fun, like cool kind of, encapsulation of his personality that just he's always he's trying to do something yeah yeah he's always trying to grab someone's gun or like roll out of the way or like knock someone on the head or something like that which i think is yeah it's pretty fun um and kirk is really sassing uh ron and so ron instead of putting him in a jail cell with spock puts him in a jail cell with uh two yangs who have been taken prisoner yeah who at this point are being presented as just these like violent savages that you know, no one can even really like relate to. Yeah, they can't. They can't really speak words. Like they, they just kind of grunt and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So then the, they throw them in there, and then Kirk has a very, 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 very long fight with them. <laughs> um, I also wrote down, I want to see a whole Enterprise episode about the person who perfected the fighting technique of karate chopping someone on the back, because that is... Uh, that's most of that what he Kirk's, does. Yeah, that's Kirk's go-to move in Star Trek, is just kind of karate chopping someone in the middle of the back. It's even better later when him and Ron have a fight with each other, because they've both clearly been trained by Starfleet. And so it, it is just the two of them like trying to be able to karate chop each other in the back, and Ron is better at it. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like they're both um, like they both have like kind of like a like a, a red spot on their back right. where it's like you know now's the time quick Sonic jump on the you know jump yeah. on the on the, on the weak, spot. weak spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so they do that for a while. I, I wrote it also, like, I love the colors on the show because, like, their jail cells are purple. Like, just they always are just really... Yes, they do not it, use light bulbs in the yeah. original Star Trek. It's kind of a... It's, it it kind of reminds me of, like, the, the aesthetic of, like, the, the 1960s Batman TV shit where everything is just kind of, like, sort of, like, vaguely psychedelic looking. Um, yeah. I like the aesthetic a lot. Um, uh, and then, basically, there's a long fight and then... Kind of it comes to a stalemate, and then Kirk figures out that the Yangs do know some words. They know, for example, the word freedom, and um, they kind of uh, and they they worship like the word itself of freedom. Yeah, and um, he kind of figures that out, and then they kind of knock him on the head, and then he kind of had helped them as like kind of loosen one of the jail the jail cell bars, and then. Um, but then they knock him on the head so they can escape. But they also, I believe, they don't they leave the keys or something so they can both escape as well. Yeah, I forget. I forget what it, how it happens. But yeah, basically they escape, and then when and then when Kirk wakes up, like he's able to also escape. Or Spock helps him, or I think he also escapes and then helps Spock escape. Yep, and then they both help Bones escape. Yeah. Um, and then and, Bones has figured out during this time, and he has a great line about it too, that basically they've already become immune to the disease, that just kind of being around it for long enough on the planet, your body develops a natural immunity to it. So they can actually leave without dying. And then the, also that the reason the comms and Yangs live so long is just because of... He, kind of is, he says it's just like because of evolution, because like something... Well, because they, because it appears that there is some kind of uh, biological warfare or nuclear event um, yeah, in their history, in the and so it killed most of them, and it reduced and them the strongest to like a Stone ones Age level. Survived, then, and right. they just naturally live that long. So there's nothing in the water in the air that like there's no sort of fountain of youth or magic cure that they can market and sell. Well, he says too that like the the element that's there is somewhat beneficial, but he. He basically said, like, it's 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 somewhat beneficial. He says, he says it, can, it can maybe cure the common cold, but it's not really worth, like, all the pain they had to go through. Yeah. Which didn't cause me to write down the note, they haven't cured the common cold yet, huh? Like, that's, <laughs> that's still a thing still a in thing. the future. Yeah. But, uh, but no, and he delivers this great line of, he says, like, I can do more for you if you just eat right and exercise regularly. In yeah. a very, like, bones way. Yeah. Um, so, th- so he finds that. And so basically that kind of gives them their... Like they can that they can you know leave the planet and go back to their ship anytime they want, and I and I did think that was kind of very interesting storytelling is just that 
that kind of subversion that the bad guy comes and like sort of makes these observations that like there's this disease and you only die from it if you leave the planet and the people on the planet live really long and so he kind of his conclusion on that is that there's something there's some like medical miracle on the planet itself and then that it turns out that just that none of that is true that it's just that you don't actually have to stay on a planet you just build up an immunity on your own and that the people just happen to live longer for a completely unrelated reason yeah but yeah i thought that was kind of interesting storytelling that you might not i mean there's plenty of things in this episode where as it goes on, it is becomes a very different episode than what you expected it to be a little bit ago. But I thought that was one of those things that, that when they first start telling that story, I don't think that's really how you expect it to, to turn out is that like, Oh, it turns out that this thing that everyone was, that you thought like everyone was going to be pursuing just isn't even a thing at all. Yeah. Which is, this is kind of like phase two of like phase one is is this everyone's crystal right and then phase two is fountain of youth no (laughs) and then it it takes a very hard right turn into phase three because basically they kind of try to escape and they get caught again by um by the yangs by the yangs who also catch um ron and um the yangs have kind of invaded the comms kind of, I think, I think partially with the, with, with the help of the two Yangs that Kirk helped free from prison. And, um, they're kind of, uh, the, the, it pivots. I will say at one point too, that, that, um, when they're, when the, the enterprise people are talking about the two different civilizations, they do refer to the comms as the yellow civilization, which is not a cool thing to say, but they do do that. Um, and, um, well, is that is that when they're kind of figuring out the, the where the, they came from, or no? Uh, it's, I think it's a little bit before that because okay. I, I have I I'm kind of I'm looking at my notes and I wrote them in chronological order, so that's a little bit a little bit earlier than that. But okay. it's around the time that they figure out that the the Yangs worship freedom. So okay. um, then later on, they're talking and then they say it, the jump to them figuring out what their deal is is so quick, <laughs> where they basically say. What are they? How do they even figure it out? They basically just say, um, "Well, it's it's when and I think they're tied up or something." And and they're Kirk just says the words to himself. He's like, "Wait a second, comms, communists, Yangs, Yankees, Yangs, Yankees." Which which is I don't I don't I don't really think that that was also like the way that the two sides were referred to during the Cold War. I don't think it was like the communists versus the Yankees, um, but uh, yeah, and and essentially what what they figure out. Because there have been other episodes of Star Trek where they go to a planet and there's there's something that's incredibly influenced or similar to something on Earth, right? There's there's the gangster planet or the Roman planet or the Nazi planet, and usually their explanation for those is like something from Earth came to this planet and like influenced it to make it like this. And this yeah. one, there's not that. It's just this planet happened to evolve in exactly the same way as earth <laughs> except that there was like a nuclear war yeah that there are um, these two sides the asians were communists and the white people were american Yankees. right yeah. and like had an american flag and the constitution <laughs> yep. and the bible yeah with the book now, of haggai I, I, in it the, reason, the way they figured it out is that they were saying that basically it seems like they had a similar development to Earth, but yeah. they... But if the Cold War had actually turned into 
a big catastrophic event. I, that's right. right. I think that's it. Is that they're like, wait a second. You know, this was if the Cold War had had. I think either Spock or McCoy makes some comment of like if you know the equivalent of Earth's Cold War had like actually had a a nuclear or biological disaster like they had actually right. attacked each other this would probably have happened and then that's and then he figures out that is in fact exactly what happened and these people are exactly like Americans and East Asians <laughs> Yeah, which is interesting too, because at this point in in real world history, there were still a good like twenty years left of the Cold War, so yeah. that could have been a thing, you know. Like I mean, the Cuban Missile Crisis was not too long before this, so yeah. pretty optimistic uh, on and fortunately correct yeah. on Roddenberry's part that our Cold War would not end that way. Yeah. But um, well, and I think that was kind of that was sort of part of what you know what he was going for with Star Trek is that like you can show especially the original series and I think early next generation is, is sort of showing humanity at its best. And like at a point where we've kind of this hope for, can't we all come together and get over, you know, these things that are conflicts and all like terrible to each other now. And in the future, we'll have gotten to the point where we don't have wars with each other. And we, you know, and I think it was always very much a like hopeful future that some sci-fi shows this, kind of dystopian or whatever star trek has always been a very hopeful future yeah uh i think too also like it's interesting because they kind of there's a little bit uh where they talk about how how the yangs are being mistreated in a way similar to the way that native americans are mistreated um so Mm. again it's like it is i think it does kind of have its heart in the right place sort of on that stuff even even though like i think that like the way it's trying to subvert those tropes is kind of inherently yeah there's a lot of sort of stereotypes in a place with like yeah with a stereotypical place but yeah um so uh right after they figure out that it's that it's actually the yankees versus the communists instead of the yangs versus the comms then the yangs bring out a american flag um like a te- an old american flag and um they speak Basically, kind of like a gibberish version of the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Kirk realizes what they're doing and tries and says the Pledge of Allegiance themselves, and then they they think that he is because he's trying to show them. Oh, I know what you guys is. I know what your deal is. I can communicate with you. And I know. I know how to talk to you about this stuff, and I'm I'm on your team. And but Ron says that. Kirk only knows this because he's basically a demon, like like the he and Spock yeah. are demons that were cast out of heaven, and um, as a test. Well, so first they try to prove this by pulling out a Bible, which is bookmarked to a page with a picture of a demon on it. Oh, okay. I I, I must not have like been looking at the screen when that happened. I didn't. See, I didn't. Because he's saying something like, you know, he's like, it's a servant of the evil one, and then they sort of look at each other, and one of them pulls, one of the Yangs pulls out a uh, the Bible and opens it to the Book of Haggai, um, uh-huh. and there's just like a full page picture, you know, sort of an old like wood carving of a a demon with like the horns and the slanty eyebrows and the pointy ears and um, yeah, and the hooves and everything. <laughs> And, and there's like mm-hmm. there's like a bookmark to that page like they just had which yeah. I thought was funny. Um, so uh, to test him to see if they if he is really a good a good person they basically they start reading 
a holy text that you find out later on is the <laughs> constitution. The preamble. Is the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> yes. And to see if he knows those words, too. And he kind of, like, makes this face, like, I do think I know them, but you're kind of saying them in garbled language again, so I didn't recognize it right away. And so they're not really sure who to believe, and so they end up, because they'll, they'll say, translate it or else Spock will die. And then Kirk, Kirk says, Kirk at some point says, that their sacred legends promise that good is stronger than evil, which I did, um, which I, I wrote down, does the Constitution promise that good will destroy evil? Um, well, this, this was my is, whole but... thing with that whole, with that whole bit, which is that, like, is the Constitution really that meaningful or inspirational of a document? Like, it's mostly just kind of political procedure stuff right it's like what all the duties of the different offices of like it's just it's just setting up a government like even the preamble in you know like he delivers it very compellingly and shatnery but mm-hmm. like they're not actually very it's no declaration of independence is what you're saying you know like do, do you do you feel a surge of patriotism when you when you hear the preamble to the constitution or does it just make you remember the schoolhouse rock song that you learned so that you could remember the words for civics class right right it's not it's not necessarily the most inspiring of our like founding yeah that that was something Uh, that kind of got me but i I actually have i have more to say on that thought but i'll I'll come back to it yeah i think that's that's something actually pretty interesting about this that i don't think that the show is really doing on purpose yeah but yeah he convinces um, them to to sort of let him fight ron to prove his his honor it's a trial by combat, basically, which, yeah. which I wrote. Like, settling something via a duel is, in its own way, very American, <laughs> but not like the American principles, you know. <laughs> um, I think it's actually a pretty good fight. Both of the actors appear to be doing their own stunts. They're doing like somersaults and things. It's a, you know, for this show, it's a pretty pretty decent fight. But ultimately, um, I think Spock uses some telepathic uh, shenanigans to to get another one of the the Yangs to help. Or to, to use one of the communicators, uh, I believe, to kind of signal to the Enterprise that they can come down uh, while he's fighting Captain Ron, or, or who I believe, uh, I, I should say too, Ron is played by Morgan Woodward. We're mentioning him so much, I should, we should definitely say Morgan Woodward is his, is the actor's name. But then Kirk wins uh, the fight, the, kind of proving himself, but then uh, Kirk says... Then he, that, and then he goes over and like gets the paper that had the... Um, the holy words on it yeah to see what it is and it's it's the u.s constitution and then he says that the the words are are for everyone not just yangs otherwise they don't mean anything and um and so basically saying like you know you need to apply these equally to everyone you know because that's that's what the document is supposed to be about is that like men are all men are created equal that kind of thing yeah and and um, i think the like the premise and that i thought that i thought was like was actually really like interesting and compelling is that, you know, sort of enough time has passed that these, kind of all these things that were, like, words and symbols of things, like the flag and, like, the word freedom and the the constitution, that they've forgotten, you know, they have no sort of cultural memory or knowledge of what these things, like, what these things that are symbols mean or stand for, but they just sort of worship the the symbol itself or the word freedom itself without mm. really like considering the concept of freedom an important thing. And I thought that was a cool, cause that's, that's something that is like a very 
you know something that you can draw parallels to in in real life yeah. of where people get so wrapped up in something that is a symbol you know and sort of lose the what the original intention of that symbol to uh to represent something good was and i i thought that was a very yeah. cool way of of doing that and like a very compelling storytelling yeah um and then Basically, Spock says to Kirk, if you're telling them how to act, aren't you violating the prime directive? And Kirk says, well, I'm just telling them what the meaning is of the of their constitution. Yes, <laughs> and, I'm just helping them be good Americans. Yeah. And then he, and then he like, glances at the American flag and kind of smiles, and then the episode ends, basically, right. uh, as, they, as they leave and go, go away. Now, um, I, I do want to quick say we're, we're, we're running quite long, but... Really. This episode, there's so much stuff that happens in this episode, and I think it's it's a pretty fun episode to watch. And it's one of those things where I don't know that this is necessarily like the best episode, but it's like it does not lack for ambition, certainly, which I find very admirable. Like that, it's it it really is like kind of all over the map in a in like a very ambitious way. Like there's a lot of things they a lot of ideas that Roddenberry is cramming into the script. But I think one thing that I think is pretty interesting about this, and not necessarily in a good way, but also kind of in a good way is you were talking about like kind of the symbols not meaning as much as the symbols kind of being revered when the principles behind them are not. And I think that's a good point, but I don't know that he necessarily meant all of that stuff as it applies to kind of like the American ideal in this episode, Uh, because it does seem at the end of the, of the show that he's kind of ends it on like America pretty great or like, right. or at least like, you know, America, the ideas of America, pretty, pretty awesome, you know, which is, I think kind of a strange attitude for the show to take. And, I, and that's not to say I'm, I'm not ragging on anyone else, anyone's like patriotism, you know, individually, but the, the show itself is kind of all the, all the Star Trek shows are very explicitly set in this post earth borders world where essentially all of the nations of the world at a certain point in time, at a point in time where the United States still existed, gave up their individual uh, sovereignty to join the United Federation, or to join to join United Earth and then later to join the United Federation of Planets. And so it does seem like kind of like a weird idea that he then is like, but America's principles, though, pretty great. Like, <laughs> like specifically that, that, that America. That is true, yeah. Um, because I, I mean, they talk about like individual countries every now and then on other series, but like not really in the same way. Like when they talk about France, like on on uh, TNG, it's like oh, they have great wine there. Or something. Yeah, it's more it's of like, like a he's region. not talking about like yeah, you know, the great. I, I I don't think that I could be wrong, but I don't think that there's ever been an episode where someone from Great Britain has talked about how great the Magna Carta was. You know, like it, yeah. it's um. I mean, Chekhov it's talks sh- about plenty of things that the Russians invented, but sure, it's a sure. little different. Yeah, I. So I think that's kind of something that's a little weird about it. But I also think that like there's kind of an unintentional thing here that you could read. I think, especially now, as a critique of patriotism or like some forms of patriotism, because um, you mentioned kind of this this the symbolism. Uh, you know, kind of empty symbolism uh, idea. But I think also, like, it is really interesting to me that the first time that you, that they kind of get any kind of indication of 
what the Yang's deal is, is that they figure out that they worship freedom. And then you kind of figure out that, like, freedom is, you know, a religion, basically. And um, they've conflated, like, their governmental ideals with, like, their religious ideals. And I think that's such a, especially now, more so than even back then, such a, a real issue um, in the United States, this idea of, of, like, the intermingling for so many people of patriotism and religious identity and Christian identity specifically that, you know, like you, you know, you have churches that do these patriotic displays and you have, you have a lot of Christian leaders who like tell you that the only moral choice is for you to vote for a certain person. It's at the expense of a lot of the, you know, purported values of, of some of these religions that they'll say even like, I don't, you know, <laughs> uh, the, we, we may not want to dig too much in the specifics here. I mean, but, well, I, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I, I would say, from my personal perspective, yeah. you know, the idea that like you have a lot of people from like our youth um, or related to our youth, like your James Dobsons and your Franklin Grahams and stuff like that, talking about like how basically like the thing to do if you're a Christian is to vote for Trump, who is not someone. Whatever you want to say about the guy, and if you talked to me in person, I would have only negative things to say. But whatever you want to say about... You can't consider him like a moral human being. Yeah, you, you cannot describe him as someone who follows the uh, traditional set of like Christian values that right. uh, Jesus talks about. And yet, you look at like the statistics about about like the percentage of like evangelicals who... Who voted for him and it's it's a huge number yeah and it's it's this thing where it's like one of them is co-opting the other is co-opting the other is co-opting the other and they're this like intermingled thing and i don't really think that roddenberry meant to do that but it i that's really i thought about that a lot while i was watching the episode that is interesting yeah like thing that it brings up yeah um i thought that was kind of an interesting one of those things where the show kind of predicted the future better than it even meant to i think um, and I, I think it, so. In its in its own way, maybe even like a weirder, better prediction of the future than the other uh, original series episode we watched, which does have deep fakes in it, but also has uh, paper documents. You know. Right, right. Um, uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, this episode probably sounds not great. I feel like when we're describing it, um, it's it, and, yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely it's got bits that are pretty corny. It's got bits that are very corny. And yeah, it has some kind of cringy things in it. Um, it's just so fun, though. Yeah, I, say, I, I think I texted you and said, I don't know if this episode is what you would traditionally call good, but I think it's it, it really is like shooting for the moon. And yeah. it's such like, it's so wild that it's really, really entertaining to watch, and I would definitely recommend it if you, yeah. if you are a Star Trek fan or you're interested in it, or you're maybe if you're not watching every single episode that we're doing, like, and you have not watched this one yet, definitely go and watch this one. It's totally worth watching. Yeah, it's it is really fun performances and yeah, a really fun idea. And it is, it is kind of the original series at its most. It's sort of the Ambitious. most extreme example of everything that made the original series what it was. Yeah, and it's the stuff like this to me that like that's what makes it 
worth watching. Like, like, like yeah. I, I want my original, I want my Star Trek, but especially I want my original series Star Trek to just be taking these huge swings. And I don't know that there is an episode of the show that takes a bigger swing <laughs> than this. Like, than Kirk doing a dramatic reading of the Constitution uh, of the United States. On an alternate planet <laughs> an where alternate planet. it was, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, and then they call it the Omega Glory. Yeah. It starts with people being turned to salt by a disease that sucks all the water out of them. Yeah, it's great. It's 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 a really it's a really fun episode. Um, I really liked it a lot. So um, we are super running long, um, yeah. which is fine. We don't yeah. have like a specific you know time constraints, but we are definitely. I think even if we cut this down, it'll be much longer than the actual episode. So we should probably okay. hang it up unless you had anything else no, that I was think, super urgent we, to... We got onto all of it, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, that is, uh, I think, going to be it for us this this time. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. But, uh, yeah, as I said earlier in the episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts, that's C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S, or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com, and you can find us on iTunes and various podcatcher apps. Our website is outofcontracts.podbean.com. So you can get to us any of those ways, and we'll see you next time when we are going to be doing a Voyager episode. It's a season two Episode 14. It's called Alliances. So that's season two, episode 14 of Voyager. So come back in two weeks and we'll be talking about that one. Yep. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye.